up, what's up, what's up? It's Shrews, the host of the Shrews Cast. Today we have our first returning guest, the guy with the famous middle name and a current and new time fiance. Welcome back, Jay Buck. What's going on, man? It's good to be back. Uh, what's going on with you, buddy? You, you've been going through quite a few life changes these past couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. That is for sure. For um, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were going to have Ron here, but I guess work or something's conflicted with the schedule and everything. Yeah, it's it's been one of those crazy weeks. It's been a crazy week for both of us there, so... And you've been through it too. Uh, you with, you know, kind of your ailments you got going on this week, and then me with the crazy stuff we got going on at work, and then Courtney's working on some stuff here to help take care of the house and everything. But you know, she helps t- keep this house running. So, you know, what better person than to have the one who has everything in order and has everything running ship shape? So. Nobody better to help keep this house in order because, you know, I dang sure couldn't do it. But, you know, she does a really good job of keeping everything together. But, yeah, just uh, got engaged. And I tell you, man, it's, I tell you, it's, it's been wild, but it's truly been one of the greatest things to happen to me. And, you know, I couldn't ask for a better person to have this engagement with so to me i think i've hit the jackpot brother we both have so tell me how did this engagement come about tell me your planning process and how it all came to bit together well her friends really helped out there because we've been kind of planning this behind her back for three months (laughs) we've been talking about this since uh july of this year um her best friend and I kind of started laying out the foundation of how we were going to kind of plan everything out and how everything was or when everything was going to kind of go down because Courtney really kind of set it up herself because she had set up for us to have like some couples pictures because we had never done it in the two years that we'd been together. So naturally, of course, you know, we needed some pictures together at that point, but um, it ended up mapping out to where we kind of came up with the idea behind her back of like, hey, you know, this should be the time where, you know, I should ask her to marry me and everything. So we just kind of mapped everything out, but I didn't want to get anything too soon because, you know, I didn't want the surprise spoiled because, you know, for something like that, you really don't want to spoil an engagement because then that just kind of takes the fun and the surprise out of it completely, you know? So we had, we've had it mapped out for a little while, her and her friends and uh, I were the only ones who knew outside of my parents and my parents and I were the ones who they came with me to look at the ring, but I, (coughs) excuse me, I ultimately ended up making the decision on the, ring and lo and behold it ended up turning out to be a really good decision because she's in not just in love with the ring but you know loving the fact that now we're starting down this road together because we kind of talked about it for a while now especially now that we've been living together for pretty much a year now so we're kind of knowing a lot more about 
the ins and outs of how we both live and how it works being living together. But I tell you what, I couldn't ask, <coughs> excuse me, I couldn't ask for a better partner, a better roommate, and soon to be wife. So I tell you, man, it feels really good. Brother, let me say I'm absolutely ecstatic for you, but I do have one question. What's that? How nervous were you right before it happened? Oh, man. I, I, could, I could feel it in the pits of my stomach there. And with it being as cold as it was and everything like that, too, thankfully, with that, it kind of helped with the shaking a little bit because, you know, then I could just play it off as being cold. So, you know, I was shaky. I was clammy, nervous, everything with it. But, man, it worked to perfection because she had no idea any of this was happening. And the funny thing was the photographer is another one of her close friends. So I'd been messaging with her as well about, you know, kind of word cues to come up with, like, hey, this is the moment where I'm going to get myself in position to ask and everything. So... It was a lot of work to put into that three-month period of planning all of this, but everything came together. Everything worked to perfection, and then I also held up my end of the deal, <clears throat> everything beforehand, which was talking with her family. That was one of the most important things to do was to talk with her family to to uh, seek permission. So to me, I'm just a old-school traditionalist in some ways, so... You know, I wasn't going to not seek permission or ask or talk with them or address any kind of concerns that might have been. But, you know, I just just thank God, man, because, you know, none of this is possible without him. What I was proposing to Talena, um, I had I, I took two poster boards I bought from the dollar store and I wrote Matt loves Talena on one side and I put them together and it came together like a puzzle. And then I had them hold the signs up when I was standing there. And then when she walked in the house, when she saw the signs, I had them flip it over. And on the back, it had, will you marry me? And I had her sons incorporated into my engagement. Oh, that's really cool, man. So how long did you have your ideas mapped out? Honestly, I, I had probably roughly around the same time you did. Two, three months. I hear you. Hey, and all's well that ends well, as long as it works out in the end, right? That is the truth. So, uh, uh, was there any point during the uh, photo photography session that she may have had an inkling of what might be going on, or do you think she was... She has told me herself that she had no idea that this was going to happen, because... We had planned it, or I had played it off to her as saying, it'll happen by the end of the year. Well, technically, you know, I was actually telling the truth in that sense, but, you know, also did it without giving too much away. Right. So, yeah, she didn't really go in with any kind of expectations. She just went into it with uh, us getting some pictures together because... You know, we had people saying, you know, you guys have been together for so long, but we don't have any real couples pictures with you guys or anything like that. So she kind of planned it out. And my job there was just really to show up to take the pictures and everything. So, you know, and 
hear a couple years time whenever the good lord allows us to exchange these vows and everything my job will just be to show up because i know everything will be mapped out the way that she wants it to and i'm fine with that i tell you man i'm absolutely mortified i don't know how i'm gonna feel when that day comes for me and Talena when she walks down the aisle i really don't know how i'm going to react if i'm going to be teary-eyed or if my jaws will be on the floor i just i don't know <laughs> but there's not going to be any feeling like it i'll tell you that yeah i can't i miss you i'm like uh i better be getting an invite oh oh yeah <laughs> You know, like I said, like I said, when you and I talked before about it, it's not just an invite for you, man. You're definitely going to be one, one of the groomsmen, that's for sure. So you ain't got to worry about that one. Uh, it's it's definitely an honor. Uh, do you know? In the past about three years, I've been asked, I believe, five or six times to be a groomsman or a best man in a wedding. Really? Yeah, it's just like everybody that I knew and grew up with, kind of. Got married within this last few years span. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much things have changed. I mean, it wasn't so long ago we were a couple of boys in high school talking sports and just going to ball games and living life. Now we're still talking about sports, but our lives are completely different. I was, I was actually, I took my step, I called my stepson. I took him to practice and, uh, I just saw these high school kids, and they look like they're like five years old to me now. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's wild seeing high school kids these days. Because then you think back to it, and then you're just, it just depresses you. You have a ten year reunion coming up next year, don't you? Oh man, you had to remind me about the ten year reunion. Golly, man, that reminds me of just how close I really am to pushing thirty. I don't even want to think about that. Well, yeah, I'm only a few months behind you, so I'm, I'm <laughs> getting toward 30 myself. Oh, Courtney loves reminding me about how much I'm pushing 30. I'm like, don't worry. Next year, you're going to be right behind me on that train. <laughs> I mean, I, I was getting, Talena cut my hair the other day, and she was like, there are so many gray hairs. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Like, a lot of that. these are yours, or a lot of these are caused by you. That's why. I, that's why I got the gray patch in my beard that I've just named Courtney because that's where it comes from. I never had it until then. The hair on my head is what's turning more turning gray. My beard has one specific prominent gray hair sticking out of it, and then the rest of it's, you know, dark brown or black. I don't even know what color my beard is. Yeah, I know we found a. We found a gray hair, I believe it was on my chest, and she had herself quite a laugh out of that one. Just tell her that means you're becoming a silver fox. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I'll have to use that next time. Well, now, well if she listens to the podcast, then she's going to know ahead of time you're going to use it. So <laughs> I guess I will do it. That is very true. That is very true. So, uh, what's been going on in the world of video games for you, my guy? Well, you know, right now I'm just kind of <clears throat> on a balancing act between uh, some Metroid Dread, which we lived up, I think, to both 
of our expectations because it has been an absolute joy to get Met- the same kind of old school Metroid without it being old school Metroid. You know what I mean? Like being able to have the little new remixes in of the cutscenes and of new bosses that you have to avoid until you get stronger and everything. So it adds, it adds some new elements that I really enjoy about it. So for me, that game has definitely exceeded my expectations. And then just balancing that between Metroid Dread, a little bit of uh, some PlayStation every now and then, and, you know, then even to some mobile gaming. Um, you know, I was big into, uh, and still kind of am actually, big into the trading card games. Um, you know, I got a little collection of the Pokemon trading cards and had a, you know, little bit here and there of uh, Magic, but my big game was Yu-Gi-Oh! and still is. And just kind of been bouncing with the Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, mobile game on the phone and everything and for the first time in five years of playing that game reaching the top rank of it for the first time so big accomplishment there that I can check off my list so that one felt really good to get done that years of doing a lot of grind work and everything with it and you know not hacking the game to put myself in that kind of an unfair advantage you know being able to say I actually earned that one that one felt really good Modern day Yu-Gi-Oh honestly confuses the ever-loving lights out of me. Like I remember back in the OG days of Dark Magician and Blue Eyes, and then I kept up with it up to through like Yu-Gi-Oh GX and stuff. But I played with Michael one day, and I was playing the old way, and he was like, he put like ten cards on the field, took them all off and placed them, said his card had an effect. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, but with with that mobile app, it has helped me a lot with a lot of the new ways with the game. I'm telling you that the mobile app is a huge help when it comes to a lot of the new ways of playing it. So it's it's because uh, it's you know it's it's a free app, but you know all, then you know you always have your in-game purchases because that's the way of video games now that's one thing i don't like about today's games but what can you do it is what it is at this point um but to me you know it's definitely a big help for me to learn some of the new ways of playing Yu-Gi-Oh to help get through the modern days so i've been able to kind of mix things up a little bit not just on the game but when it comes to my <clears throat> in life deck building so i've been working with that a little bit more now so getting older getting wiser as opposed to you know just trying to always go for the bigger attack points i go for a little bit of smarter strategy oh yeah that's that's what you have to do i mean that is why the Yu-Gi-Oh cards have special card effects you have to kind of mix and match your deck to make sure your effects correlate with uh Mm-hmm. the rest that's, of the cards that's why one of my f- favorite combos you mentioned it with the dark magician and everything like that one of the uh one of my favorite go-to combos to get on the draw is to be able to play uh a spell card 
that will allow me to look at the top three cards of my deck and either put in either a Dark Magician or a spell or trap that specifically lists Dark Magician in the text, add it to my hand, then I can put the other cards wherever I want in the next order there. And then if I happen to have a trap card Magician Navigation in my hand, I will lay that face down for the next turn. And the spell card I'm referring to is Dark Magical Circle. So then on the next turn, I'll flip Magician Navigation, which allows me to summon a Dark Magician from my hand. Then it will allow me to pull another either Dark Magician or a Dark Magician Girl or a monster or a level 7 type spellcaster and play that onto the field. And then Dark Magical Circle allows me to banish one of my opponent's cards off the field. And then Magician Navigation, the trap card there, has another effect where after, except on the turn that it's sent to the graveyard, if my opponent activates a spell or trap during my turn or during some point in the duel after the turn that Magician Navigation has been sent to the graveyard, I can banish Magician Navigation from the graveyard and negate that spell or trap activation from my opponent. It definitely seems like you have your ducks lined up in a row when it comes to your deck build. Your deck build. So it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of work, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you want something, you got to work for it. It's never going to be handed to you. That is the that's the God's honest truth. So, what about you? What's your gaming big gaming deal outside of this? I know you and I were both looking at Metroid Dread. What are your thoughts on it? Metroid Dread is a phenomenal game. I absolutely love how you do have to avoid the enemies. Uh, I guess I might be spoiling by letting you know the enemy names. But honestly, Nintendo has been revealing so much Metroid stuff that most people that were interested in playing it already know what they are. Exactly. <laughs> Avoiding the enemies is fun. And just the wide variety of boss fights and the puzzles and Samus being stripped of her powers and having to navigate through the world finding different power-ups until you're strong enough to face the enemies. I feel like it's kind of, it's like a 2D version of Breath of the Wild. You know how Link's stripped of all his strength and he has to mm-hmm. go out into the world and find I had never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense now that you say that. Seems like Breath of the Wild is becoming a new model for a lot of the kind of refreshers or even reboots of some of these franchises. I mean, it is the best-selling Zelda game of all time, and that's saying a lot considering the lineage that Zelda has. Exactly. So, I have a question for you about Breath of the Wild 2. Okay. Okay. How do you think they're going to incorporate? Because I can't imagine you start the game being an overpowered Link. Like, I just can't. Or you'd already be ready to fight Ganondorf at the beginning of the game. How do you think they're going because it's a direct sequel, so how do you think they're going to strip Link of his powers from the first Breath of the Wild and make him start over and have to build himself back up in Breath of the Wild 2? Well, I think that kind of comes back to the trailer there where the stuff was attaching to his arm. That may possibly have something to do with stripping said power. Because if you notice throughout the game and everything, that one arm is covered so it makes you wonder you know how 
that ends up becoming the part that strips Link of a lot of his power. Maybe not necessarily stripping him of his power, but making him have to kind of retap his thought processes into how he can access that power. You know what I mean? I, I, I can see what you're saying, for sure. Because there, there's some kind of reason why that stuff attaches to Link's arm in that trailer. And why his arm is, you know, never bare or anything thought- like that. Because when you see him running, he's got one bare arm and then the other is covered. So it makes I me wonder, like, like, is, you know, is, this, you know, what's your, but uh, what's your theory? Because you said you had one there. So let me, let me hear your side of it. Uh, is that, there are people that are saying Zelda might be playable in it. I'm not sure how true that is, but if you notice in the trailer, she has control of the Sheikah Slate, which means Link does not have access to the runes they uh, had in uh, the first Breath of the Wild. So I thought maybe that hand or whatever that's sealing Ganondorf that covers him might be granting him new powers, like to replace the runes that the Sheikah Slate gave him. That's another possibility, too. Had never thought of it that way either, but <clears throat> you know how Nintendo is until everything's finished with it. They are very secretive about a lot of the gameplay until it's actually smooth, which I applaud Nintendo for. You know, you don't want to show off everything if it's going to be a glitchy mess to start the beginning of things because look how many games for PlayStation or Xbox have to have day one patches because of that. Again, that goes back to the whole Cyberpunk 2077 deal. And what a big mess that was for Project Red. That game must have been incredibly massive because I believe they've been working on that game since I graduated high school. And it's got to be the most maddening project that they've ever worked on at that point. Well, I'd say so. They I say it still doesn't play too well. I'd say I wouldn't want to be in their shoes anytime soon. Or maybe ever at this point. I don't think I could ever be a game developer. Like, I think it would be fun, but if I ever got the opportunity to take part in building my dream game, it would kind of ruin the experience for me because Hmm. I would know exactly how the game ends, how to work, how to beat it. Mm -hmm. I can kind of see that too. Whereas as the player, you have to learn and grow and develop what you do in order to be able to beat the game, but at the same time, being able to enjoy the craft. That's why I say NASCAR has to be the worst professional sport in terms of just dealing. Like, I'm not saying NASCAR is a bad sport. What I'm saying is, could you imagine being a NASCAR driver, driving 200 plus miles per hour, and then having to go through like a school zone at 15 miles an hour? (laughs) Like, could could you just imagine so being so used to speed and stuff and then having to drive average speed limits it would it, well if it you look at the up. if you look at the bush brothers sometimes they don't have much trouble with that with that because they've both gotten speeding tickets outside of uh the nascar world i just, i i couldn't imagine being used to letting your cars go that fast and then just having to 
go 15, 25, 35, 50, 55, 45, whatever. I just couldn't imagine going. Like, it would just feel like I was standing still. <laughs> I, yeah, I can definitely see your point with that, too, because, you know, you're moving so fast and everything like that. But then again, too, you're going all those miles, all those hours, and then you're just stuck in that car, that fire suit and everything like that, and the car being 100-plus degrees on the inside. And that's going to wear on you mentally, too. So sometimes that little slow down there, they don't mind that little break. That's true. My brother, he, his, his uh, ex-girlfriend, her family, um, they were big in the NASCAR. And I didn't know how strenuous NASCAR was on a driver. I heard something along the lines of that they lost like 15 pounds in sweat during a race. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. And some of them have to have IV fluids because they're so dehydrated at the end of a race. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it, I do not. I do not like to overheat. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you there. It'd be fun to take you know a couple life experience in, but I don't think I could handle about anywhere from even one hundred laps, much less five hundred. Sometimes. But you were asking what other games I've been playing. I've obviously <laughs> been playing Metroid Dread. Um, I've gotten back into Splatoon 2 because Splatoon's like the only shooter game I'm actually semi-competent at. <laughs> Understandable. And I, I kind of enjoy it. The only thing I hate is that after a while you have to go back and listen to that monologue between those two uh, ho- those two hosts. I forget their names. Yeah, I can see how that would kind of be a little bit strenuous, strenuous there because... There. Anything you have to go back through and do for a second time that you didn't like just makes it that much longer to try to trudge through. Have you ever played Splatoon or Splatoon 2? Um, in bits and pieces. I've never made it through all the way on those, but um, you know, I'll have to give them both an, uh, another shot. I, I'm, I'm really big on multiplayer games right now. I'm, uh, I'm playing Rocket League. Uh, I've put more time into Rocket League than I've ever put into any other video game. I have like five, six hundred hours in Rocket League. That's some dedication right there, boys. I'll give you that one. And Splatoon. I like Splatoon. I'm playing Metroid Dread. Uh, I'm trying, I'm currently in the process of trying to find one of the Wii motion sensor bars so I can use my Wii. To turn to use it to uh, click on the icon, so I can play Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, which we know you have probably put more hours into than anything ever. Oh, I mean, in terms of non-multiplayer games, I I usually play through it at least once a year. Just so that's kind of that's kind of like me with uh, with Ocarina. I'm actually going to get ready. Uh, next week with uh, next Monday being my birthday, I'll probably start around then to uh, get set for my yearly playthrough of it because I've been able to get a little bit of practice with it. So I know a little bit more of it without, you know, because at first, you know, kind of learning the steps and the ropes of the game and everything, obviously, you know, looking up, you know, kind of a little bit of a, God to kind of walk through things, but then after playing it so often, now I don't really need it. Right. Um, so 
but that's kind of the good thing too like i said about breath of the wild is you know really with that guide you can follow it through that way or you can follow it through in whatever step you want so that's another you know that just types right back into another reason as to why i think breath of the wild has definitely changed the game for the better and you know has become probably my favorite now the zelda franchise but ocarina is going to always hold a place in my heart for sure so it's always going to be up there too everybody hates on me but my favorite Legend of Zeldas are Twilight Princess and the Wind Waker. I mean, I thought Twilight Princess was a phenomenal Zelda game, too. I mean, I thought that one was a great choice. So, you know, I don't blame you on that one. And Wind Waker was actually pretty fun. So I know people didn't really like the uh, cell shaded style, but I mean, you know, it's what's, it's what makes it different and what makes it unique because if it was formulaic then people would say hey it's you know just looks like another one so but that just goes to show you can't please everybody when it comes to stuff like that yeah everybody will always have their little nitpicks no matter what exactly speaking of things that people have been nitpicking have you heard about the nintendo switch online expansion pack and the little debacle that's going on around it how could i not oh my goodness but for but let's let's go ahead and fill in for the folks at at home who have not heard of this debacle all right so uh nintendo has uh opened up a second tier to their online service initially it was like pretty much 20 bucks a year like three months is like seven dollars and something. I mean, it's very cheap. Well, during the Animal Crossing New Horizons Direct, where they announced DLC for the game, they decided to unveil the new Switch plan, which uh, unleashes eight Nintendo 64 games and a plethora of uh, Sega Genesis games. And the price has monumentally jumped up from twenty dollars a year for an individual plan to $50 a year for an individual plan, as well as from $35 a year for a family plan to $80 a year for a family plan. And most people are exceptionally angry because if you don't like Animal Crossing, that DLC they throw in is of no use to you. Yeah, so... I mean... You know people may complain about the pricing and things like that it's still cheaper than a year subscription to either xbox or playstation by about ten dollars so there's one argument there that you can kind of throw out the door if you're willing to pay 60 for that you know but nintendo's is ten dollars less i mean you know you still have a better option there but i know i can kind of see people's side of it with it being only eight well i mean you got to start with the launch point there because not every nintendo or super nintendo game was there when they started the nintendo switch online stuff to begin with it's it's impossible to get that entire library into there in one fell swoop it is because nintendo's got a whole line of stuff to go through to get everything on there because they have, you know, pretty much been the fabric 
of video games ever since, you know, really 1985 when Super Mario Brothers, the original one, came out. <clears throat> I agree with you. Now, I will, I will make one point that is against Nintendo Switch Online. Compared to its contemporaries, PlayStation and Microsoft, PlayStation has native voice chat built into the system instead of having to use the Nintendo Switch Online app or Discord. Um, and they also offer more modern, like, last-gen games for free with their service every month. Whereas Nintendo's been very spotty, you know. One that one, uh, it, it seems like it's almost monthly that they release new games instead of like weekly. Yeah, and that's a very fair point as well. So I mean, no, so no online system setup is going to be perfect for anybody because I think it's in, it's impossible to reach perfection at that point because if everything's not there available at the fingertips. You know, practically for 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 free ninety nine at that point, then everybody's just going to go ape about it. You know what I mean? So, I agree. You have to be able to find your happy medium, <clears throat> and people can say what they want about that. That's <clears throat> that's perfectly fine with me. But to me. If you don't find yourself that happy medium, then you're really going to disappoint yourself when stuff don't meet your expectations because everybody's expectations are on sometimes an unattainable level. I have a coworker named CJ that I work with, and one of his sayings is kind of how I've adopted that mindset. He says, hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yep. Uh, And that's where we're at right now with this whole mess. So speaking of the online service, do you personally plan on purchasing it? I mean, I mean, I'm probably going to because in the end, it lets me it in the end. Once things come out more, it will definitely be cheaper to be able to use the membership as opposed to having to end up paying that same price for just one cartridge at that point. So, you know, that will save on money down the road, but you know, with certain titles and certain copyrights that wouldn't be available, you'd still have to spend in that regard, but it would save in the long run because, you know, eventually, you know, games with like Mario Kart 64 and everything and the old school Mario parties that will, definitely save money in that regard and you figure that super smash brothers may end up on that service at some point so that's another quite a few you know hundred dollars saved you know a game i'm looking forward to most coming out don't you (laughs) the original paper mario absolutely i have not played through that game in years i remember kind of how it starts and then it's a little blurry, but I, I'm very, very excited to delve back into that game. Kind of a dive back into the beginning that led to the thousand-year door. Maybe I'm praying that through this online expansion pass that people playing the first Paper Mario maybe will talk about how good of a game it was and maybe Nintendo might switch the Paper Mario formula back to the first two or three. 
anything's possible. You know, you can never rule it out. Sometimes it may seem like it's impossible, but you never know how things go sometimes. The thing it with Paper Mario is I there's there's a good quality about each game. Each each one of the Paper Mario games, even the ones I don't like, have good qualities about them. Right. The last three, which are the ones I don't like that well, their art style is amazing and their music tracks are phenomenal. Uh, Paper Mario the Origami King is an absolutely visually stunning game. Everything. I would not mind a Paper Mario game with like the story and characters of the first three combined with the art style of the last three. That would be a peak Paper Mario game for me. Like the ultimate hybrid. Yes. And of course, uh, if we if you get Nintendo Switch Online, the expansion pack, I definitely want to play some Mario Kart Online, Mario Kart sixty four Online with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely work on that for sure. As soon as you know, you and I both end up that way. Because from the sounds of it, you're kind of in the same boat that I am. Because you know, I might wait a little bit until a few more things come out so i might wait until around closer to christmas for me um, do any do they, sorry do any of the sega genesis games uh do they do anything for you or are you just more excited about the n64 games um i mean i always i always have love for the uh genesis games because you know anytime you can find a good working version of some genesis titles that's always a good way to kill some time whenever you're just wanting to just have some fun and enjoy yourself as opposed to, you know, just going through, you know, your grind of trying to get through a specific game. If you're just kind of, you know, looking for just something fun to kind of ease your mind and, you know, something that you're not too worried about, you know, just completing or, you know, not just beating the game, but like completing all the way through, completing all the tasks and everything. But if you're just looking for a good time killer, then definitely Genesis games are definitely a great option there. And it kind of reminds you a little bit about the other side of the 16-bit wars that, you know, some people would just be like, oh, I completely forgot about this game. So that's what this game was. So it kind of helps remind people of what made them fall in love with video games in the first place. Now, another question I have for you is, do you think, let's say Nintendo keeps what's on the Switch online expansion pack for the rest of this Switch's lifestyle. I do not see Nintendo ever going back to just a home or a handheld. I think the Switch is going to be the future of Nintendo in terms of having a portable and a home console at the same time. Do you think they will continue to just bring that online service back with it and just add more uh, consoles as time goes by. Yeah, they may just switch the name of it every now and then, but I think this base formula that they're at right now, yeah, this is probably how it's going to be because, you know, I think with the Switch as well is why we've seen the end of the three of the three DS and the two DS because of this home and portable capability. So yeah, this is definitely going to be part of the ever changing game that is. Uh, the Nintendo console, whatever it is. 
Yeah, I feel like hybrid is the future of video games, at least for right now. I'm sure they'll probably become another trend than uh, the video games will revert towards it. But right now, I do believe that handheld hybrids and home consoles is the current uh, climate for video games. Yeah, and you know that's probably what PlayStation and Xbox will channel their way into next after this life cycle between the PS5 and Xbox Series X. As for me, I'm planning on getting the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack during Christmas. So we're kind of in the, again, we're kind of in the same boat there. Just kind of let a few more things come out before we end up spending that money. Oh my goodness. I'm just telling you right now, if something happens in the next couple years, and they announce like GameCube and Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door comes out. <laughs> you will be in hog heaven. You might hear me you might hear me squeal from wherever I'm at. <laughs> I hear you on that one. I miss the that, uh GameCube days. Those were some fun days too. The GameCube is still my favorite console, strictly on the fact that in every regard, it has my favorite version of every game that's ever come out. Twilight Princess, it's a Wii and a GameCube game. Favorite that Zelda is very game. true. Wind Waker, second favorite Zelda game. GameCube game. Uh, yeah. paper, uh, uh, Super Mario Sunshine, my favorite 3D Mario game. Uh, Star Fox Assault, my favorite uh, Star Fox game. I mean, it's just like all my favorite. It, now, I do believe the Switch... I, this was going to be the next segment I came into, so I was going to go ahead and I guess I'll go ahead and spoil that. Um, I believe the 3D Kirby coming out for the Switch, Kirby and the Forgotten Land coming out next year for the Switch is going to be my favorite Kirby experience ever. Yeah, I think it might be for a lot of people there, especially since that is going to be the first real big major break out of the original Kirby formula. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, since Breath of the Wild is not 100% confirmed for next year, that Kirby is the number one game I'm looking forward to uh, next year completely. It's it's going to be my game of the year for Switch. Yep. Unless, like we say, that it does end up coming out, that Breath of the Wild 2 comes out next year. But like you said, they haven't said whether it is or not. And if it's as big of a game as we're thinking it's going to be, there is a chance it may not be until 2023. But whatever it is, as long as it's not rushed, I don't care. Because I would rather take the delay for something spectacular than have them rush it out and it just being an unmitigated disaster. You know Shigeru Miyamoto's uh, gaming philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. A rushed game will be bad forever, but a game you take time on will eventually be good. And he's exactly right. And look how long it took to get to the original Breath of the Wild and how that one ended up being. 2011 to 17. Mm-hmm. So what's another similar wait for Breath of the Wild too? That's true. They should be shorter because they're using the same exact graphical engine as Breath of the Wild. So that should cut into the development time, but depending yeah. on how big, depending on how big the scope of the game is, and it does look 
like there's going to be a lot more places to explore with the sky. Mm-hmm. That, uh, That's the part I'm looking forward to. I would like it if we could delve underwater and explore. Like, could you imagine exploring Lake Hylia? You know, that's actually a really novel idea. Just explore it all. That would be pretty cool, actually. Not going to lie. That actually sounds like a fun time. Then, uh, there... I mean, next year just seems like it is going to be the best year of Nintendo since probably 2017 when the Switch launched. Now that I can, yeah, I can definitely see that because now they're getting a lot more new titles out in 2022. So I can definitely be in agreement with you there because, you know, if things end up working out and say, you know, Breath of the Wild 2 ends up coming out as one of the last ones toward the year, that would definitely be the big feather in the cap. That is Nintendo's year of 2022. Because right now it seems like, you know, even though the the hardware may not be up to what the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X can do, sometimes right now it seems like Nintendo's the most stable out of all three of them. That is, that's true. Because they've always marched to the beat of their own drum. That is something I do like about Nintendo. They don't really directly compete. Like, Xbox and Sony are at each other's throat, and honestly, it's been a one-sided war. But uh, Nintendo, they, I mean, they obviously they want to sell systems, but they want to do it their own way. They're not trying to produce 4K, 8K graphics and stuff. They just, they just want to make a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what's worked, especially now with the Switch, because... <clears throat> lo and behold i mean it didn't take much to outsell the wii u but i mean they blew that door wide open oh yeah i mean the switch is around 90 to 100 million units right now and i believe the wii u topped out like 11 to 13 million so i mean the proof is in the pudding but i i want to admit to you brother that i do not think the wii u was actually that bad of a console it really, it really wasn't. Uh, it was a novel idea, just not necessarily the best execution. But I believe it's, I believe it's kind of a precursor to the Switch, honestly, because the gamepad and been able to turn off the TV in certain games and use the gamepad as the system. Exactly, and you know, it's definitely led to, definitely, I think, led to where we are now with the Switch and everything. So. Sometimes you just need a little misfire to figure out what went wrong, and then that just allows you to come back even stronger and then come back not only with a more accurate fire, but with a whole lot more ammunition. Absolutely. So what are some games coming out in 2022 for fact that you are looking forward to? Oh, goodness. Well, definitely the... uh, Definitely Kirby, that's for sure. That's, you know, probably definitely the biggest one out of them so far. You know, because the others, you know, it's mostly stuff for a system that I don't have yet. You know, so got to kind of throw the PS5 stuff kind of out the window. 
Right. But I'm kind of like you, though. Kirby's at the top of the list, so I'm just kind of counting down until that comes out and then really just count down until Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. For me, Advanced Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp got pushed back from this holiday season to spring 2022. Looking forward to that. Splatoon 3, I'm really looking forward to. Kirby, obviously, I said it's the game. It's 100% confirmed that I'm looking forward to coming out. Pokemon's Legend Arceus. Yes. I'm in complete agreement with you on that one, too. I mean, I just... And I've got one last question about video games, and then I want to switch over to sports a little bit before we wrap up the show. Do you think... Do you think we see Mario Kart 9 in the Switch's lifetime? Mm. Maybe in 23. 23? Maybe in 23. Because there's there's a lot coming out in 22 and a lot that potentially could come out in 22. You know, the one I'm talking about there. Yeah. Um that throwing that in there in 22 would kind of be overcrowding a lot of stuff there. But that's why Nintendo's good about spreading things out. So, if you imagine if it does end up coming out that Breath of the Wild 2 is not until 23, <clears throat> could you imagine Breath of the Wild 2 and then a new Mario Kart in that same year? That would be tough. That would pro- Those two games put together would probably push the Switch past the PlayStation 4 and career uh, sales. And I think that's a very, very strong possibility. I just... Uh, it's so crazy that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is still the number one best-selling game on Switch. Well... You know, in a way, it doesn't kind of surprise me because a lot of people did enjoy Mario Kart 8, even though if it, it was on the Wii U. Then if you think about it, the Deluxe, you're getting that entire game plus the DLC. And they added other things like a new battle mode that was very reminiscent to the Mario Kart 64 battle mode. I mean, it definitely did improve a lot on it, but you know, essentially it is the same track, so people have to be getting a little tired of racing from the same monotonous tracks over and over again. Yeah, and that's true, too. Um, But they may need a little bit of that extra time to warm up because, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I know anything that anybody else doesn't, but, you know, you never know what, you know, what other surprises Nintendo has for 22 besides what they've already announced. And you don't know what they're already planning for 23 yet either. I'm honestly expecting Mario Kart to shift from Mario Kart to like Nintendo Kart, like do a Smash Brothers Ultimate thing set for Mario Kart where they just incorporate a bunch of Nintendo characters into Mario Kart. That would actually be kind of fun. I mean, because they're already kind of doing it with uh, Link and some of the Animal Crossing characters and the Splatoon characters. So yeah, I mean, just throw Captain Falcon in there because they already have two F-Zero tracks in Mario Kart 8. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. And throw in, like, the F-Zero style carts. 
Speaking of which, that is another game I'm looking forward to on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack as well is F-Zero because they have not released a new one of those since 2005. And I I miss it because F-Zero was really underrated. It got kind of lost in the shuffle with with, uh, Mario Kart because they both came out on the same console on the Super Nintendo with F-Zero being more of a launch title and then Super Mario Kart just basically taking over everything about kart racing or any racing in general for Nintendo. That's right. Well, what do you say we hop into some sports, buddy? Let's do it. It's going to be a struggle for both of us here, but we're going to give it a try. All right. So I guess the first thing we'll bring up is the NFL. And right now, I believe my Steelers are what? I don't even remember what they are. They're either 500 or one game below 500. And then the Saints sometimes have their moments, and then sometimes it's just like they didn't even bother to get out of bed. So I can understand the pain in some of that regard. What is the Saints record? Um, I believe they're four and two because they had a bye week. <clears throat> so I'm going to say they are four and two, probably going on four and three because next is the game at Tampa Bay against. Uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, so I am fully expecting Tampa Bay to end up winning that home game. Uh, listen, uh, after a while, I used to think the Steelers back when they had like Troy Polamalu, Ike Taylor, Ryan Clark, James Harrison, Brett Kiesel, and all those guys, I used to think they could give the Patriots a run for their money back in the day, but now pretty much any time the Steelers play Tom Brady, I just chalk it up to a loss. It's just getting to that point. But, you know, I will take another maybe possible glimmer of hope in that uh, Mark Ingram looks to be coming back to New Orleans after uh, the trade there that Houston's sending him back over to New Orleans. So maybe that might help take some of the pressure off of Mr. Kamara. And then Kamara, you know, can kind of do his thing, but then Ingram can kind of come in and be the bully. Speaking of the NFL, man, the one guy that has impressed me more than any other player this year has to be Derrick Henry. Oh, Derrick Henry has been a beast, but I can you can also throw, uh, I believe it's Jamar Chase from the Bengals into that same conversation because everybody was hitting him hard about the preseason and everything like that. But there's a reason why that's the preseason and why he is now the favorite to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Because... I think it's... it's, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say because, I mean, he is looking good, and that's because his quarterback is actually making him look good, too. And we got to, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due about uh, Mr. Burrow out of LSU. I mean, he has really held his own ever since the injury and everything. And I think that's a credit now to Cincinnati finally saying, okay, we can't let our franchise quarterback get hurt like that again. You can't. You really can't do that. I mean, Joe Burrow, he has a lot of potential. Um, I forget who's compared to during the draft. Uh, really, 
it slips my mind. All I know is Trevor Lawrence was compared to Peyton Manning. And, you know, well, I mean, I guess he is up there with Peyton Manning in his rookie year because he's throwing a lot of picks. <clears throat> but then again, so is Patrick Mahomes, and everybody thought that he was the next biggest thing. Well, I mean, buddy, when the, the second you say hut, there's someone in your backfield ready to sack you, and your defense couldn't stop me and you from scoring a touchdown. You're not going to win a lot of games. No. No. And I think that team's been broken ever since Brady beat them. They never recovered. The problem is, and Michael mentioned it when he was on the podcast, you have the three dynamic players. You have Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, and you got Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are going to command probably top dollar for their position, and then you're not going to have enough money to fill out the team. So at some point, you're either just going to have to pay all three of them and pray that they're good enough to lead you, or eventually one of them's just going to leave. One or two of them's going to leave in free agency, and you're just going to have to build. You're going to have to instead of having three dynamic players, have like a team of average to slightly above average players. And and it's getting around to that kind of time for Kansas City, it seems like. It seems like their time, their shelf life is getting to be a little bit shorter. It is. I mean, I never thought I'd see Patrick Mahomes struggle as bad as he's done this year. And then speaking of teams, I guess, unfortunately, we've got to talk about them, so might as well. Just throw in the line a little bit for old time's sake. How about them cowboys? How about them cowboys? But I have to give credit where... Your voice blurred out for a second. I know you were about to say you have to give credit where credit is due. You there, man? I'm going to give it a second see if he pops back online. Had a little bit of te- technical difficulty, <laughs> some kind of Wi-Fi related problem. But anyways, we're back. There we go. Now we're back into it. And now having to go back into talking about the Dallas Cowboys, as much as you and I both don't want to talk about this. Yeah. But I got to tell you, <clears throat> there's not a team in that division that can hold a candle right now to Dallas. I mean, you know, then again, it wouldn't take much for one team out of that division to break out, but you know, I kind of had a sneaky feeling when Dallas played Tampa Bay really close, and the only reason they lost was because they left Tom Brady time on the clock. So I kind of had a sneaking feeling like maybe this might could be a Dallas team that ends up winning the division. Now they're the surefire thing to come out of the division. 
I'm not a big. I've never been a big Dallas guy, and that's not. That's not even because I'm a Pittsburgh fan. It's just, I don't know. It's a, every Dallas, most Dallas Cowboy fans. There are a few exceptions, but most Dallas Cowboy fans I know are so cocky for a team that has not won since I was a baby. And the most obnoxious. You got to throw obnoxious in there too, because every time they have one of these moments, they automatically think it's a Super Bowl season. I mean, until he retires, I'm just going to say it's the Super Bowl season whenever Tom Bra- – you might have a chance at the Super Bowl if Tom Brady's out in the playoffs. That's the only way you have a chance in right now. Because if that offensive line keeps Brady going like this, Tom Brady's going to play until he's 70. I mean, they did say a report. Tom, they asked Tom Brady when he plans on retiring, and he answered oh so elegantly. He said, I'll retire when I suck. <laughs> that, that's that's it for you there so there's no more competitive answer than that I mean there really isn't I mean Tom Brady's just an anomaly like there there will never be another like him ever in the history of this game again that's true. I mean, I used to say that certain quarterbacks sat at the same table, but Tom Brady is at his own table, and everybody else is sitting at the table down the hall from him. He's kind of by himself. Yeah, he's just looking out from the throne room. It's like Tom Brady, and then there's the rest. There's the Peyton Mannings, the Dan Marinos, the Aaron Rodgers, the Brett Favre's, Troy Aikman, John Elway, whoever you want to say. Drew Brees, Joe Montana. Yeah. I mean, he's just able to play however long he wants, whenever he wants, and for whenever and however long he dang well pleases. I I have to imagine that all 31 other NFL teams besides the Patriots have to be kicking themselves from the 2000 draft. But then the Patriots made up for it by kicking themselves now because they let this franchise once-in-a-lifetime quarterback go, and then he automatically wins with another team. Yeah, I've often said who made who. Bill Willichek make Brady or did Brady make Willichek? And I think that answer has been I believe that's been answered the past year or two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was Brady leading Belichick. Without a doubt. Yeah, so for about us, your team's performing a little bit above 500. My team's hovering around 500. Do you have an NBA team, Josh? Mm, I just kind of follow more so the players around and everything like that so I've been just kind of keeping up with certain teams here and there Uh, you know I've always been a Curry fan just because of how unreal he shoots the basketball so I guess we got to mention about Golden State being 4-0 this time around so they were a team who were in playoff kind of in playoff contention last year you know kind of lost the uh the play-in game ever since this whole new rule came in 
really for the NBA, but you know, I think they kind of took that as like, okay, we had to play in this time around, but we're gonna make sure we don't have to play in this next time. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that has to do with the uh, growth of Jordan Poole as a player. <clears throat> I can agree with that one too. And then, <clears throat> you know, Steph having options besides having to do it himself there with Andrew Wiggins and, you know, Draymond still being Draymond. And that, did you, I forget, I don't know his name is. He's, he's foreign. It's Bajelica is like his last name. Mm-hmm. He played phenomenal against the Lakers in the preseason and in the first game of the season. Like, AD outplayed him, but he definitely – he gave AD some work on the offensive end. And that's what you got to do because you know AD is going to get his, so you just, you know, have to sometimes just, you know, go elbow for elbow, hold for hold, whatever you got to do. With my Lakers, it's – I swear, no matter what game it is, no matter who we play, there's always that one – rant. It's half the time it isn't even the star that goes off on us. Some random role player that's like eighth, ninth man on the bench will just come in and drop 25, 30 points on us. Because how do you guys blow a 26-point lead to this Oklahoma City team? I knew, I'm sorry, I, but I got to say, like, how do you blow a 26-point lead to this Thunder team? I don't know. It's I know a part of it was taking the uh, foot off the gas after getting up that much. And then I guess by the time they realized that the game was getting closer and that they were within striking distance of winning, all the momentum was on uh, Oklahoma City side and the Lakers just couldn't fight back and get back that urgency that they needed to pull away with the win. And that's the most frustrating part is because you know that this Lakers team definitely should have finished wiping the floor with this Thunder team. But, you know, at least y'all aren't the only struggling team in Los Angeles because the Clippers ain't that good either. Well, at least the Clippers have an excuse. They don't have Kawhi. Even though we did not have LeBron against uh Oklahoma City, we did have two other superstars in Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. And then Carmelo, bless his heart, he has the one of the games of his life or of his, you know, of his second round of his basketball career and then goes and throws that air ball. You know, a lot of people think it's weird, but Carmelo Anthony is my favorite Laker. And it is just because I made a Facebook status about it that you may have seen is his game where he's older is kind of reminiscent a little bit of the late, great Kobe Bryant's game. I do remember seeing that post now that you mention it. And, you know, anything that reminds me of Kobe, especially in a Lakers jersey, brings a smile on my face. As it would for anybody. So I can't blame you on that one. It's just crazy that all of our childhood heroes in sports are just calling it quits, becoming coaches, and exploring different avenues and different careers. I mean, Chauncey Billups is now the coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Jason Kidd with the Mavericks. I mean, and those were and 
they're all I guarantee you there are these new generation of fans that are like, eh, these guys aren't all that good. I'm like, yeah, big shot Chauncey put sent Kobe and Shaq and Carl Malone and Gary Payton home in 2004, and basically broke up the Shaq Kobe duo. I mean, I think that Piston that 04 Pistons team is the most well balanced team ever. Just in turn, there was you never knew who's going to go off that night. If Rasheed Wallace was going to have a good game, or if Tayshawn Prince was going to explode, or Rip Chauncey, Hamilton, Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, whoever, and, and Ben, ben Wallace, Wallace was a defensive beast. Defensive, the Ben Wallace is the only player I've ever seen one on one give Shaq fits, and probably the only one that shot worse free throws than him. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. But there I understand. Go. I understand why most big men shoot bad free throws because have you ever shot like like as a high schooler or out of school, shot like a little kid's basketball? <laughs> That's yeah. probably yeah. how a uh, regulation NBA ball feels in like Shaquille O'Neal's hands. Yeah. And then just having to sit there and concentrate on it. I mean, Shaq even said a long time ago, he did not shoot to make the free throw. He shot not to air ball. And, you know, it's frustrating to reach that point. It is absolutely frustrating to reach that point. So, did you happen to see the NBA 75 all-time greatest list? I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there. I mean, I knew we had, uh, you know, one Marshall representative, old Hal Greer on there, and then you had Jerry West on there from WVU. And I hadn't got to see the entire list. I have to go back and look at it. Well, there are a few people that they believe are snubs because they put a lot of, like, 1950s players in place. And, you know... They said the NBA was nowhere near as good back in the 50s, which is true, but you can't take away a 50s player's accomplishment just because of the era they grew up in. Right. I mean, uh, notable snubs were Dwight Howard, um, Mm -hmm. Clay Thompson, and Kyrie Irving. Well... Clay will be a Clay will be a snub because he has been in Curry's shadow. Let's just call it like I see it. Clay has been in the shadow of Steph Curry ever since Curry's been in Golden State. Right. And it's a shame too because I mean Clay is as good on his own as Curry is from the three. The only difference. The only difference is. Steph is a lot better at manufacturing space to create his own threes, where Clay is more dependent on somebody getting him open and using off-ball screens to get his threes. Yeah, or in a catch-and-shoot situation. Right. And then Kyrie, yeah, I can kind of see how that one's a little bit more frustrating there. I, I think Dwight's the biggest snub out of all of them. I mean, he's an eight-time All-Star. Uh, 
Yeah. Multiple time defensive player of the year, multiple time block and rebounding champion. Yeah, I have to look at the whole list again to see, to see who actually did get in and everything. Because I haven't got to see the entire list of it yet, so I can definitely pick out which ones could definitely be replaced on that list. One person that everybody's kind of controversial about is Damian Lillard. He did make that list. Hmm. Okay. And And he's having one of the worst starts to his season this year. I don't think career-wise his career – I could say he's the number one option, so I can take him over Clay. I could could accept him over Clay. But Dwight – I definitely think Dwight Howard deserves the spot over Dame. I mean, Dame's good. Dame's one of the best point guards, the most explosive scoring point guards we've ever seen. I mean, Dwight's got a championship. Like, I think it's three defensive player of the years. Kyrie has a ring over Damian. And Clay's got three, but of course, you know, that's his Robin. And in some instances with Kevin Durant on the squad and stuff, that's his third or fourth option. And then without Kyrie's shot, LeBron may not have gotten a ring in Cleveland. So, you know. LeBron is, LeBron is such an anomaly for me. He's so good. He's kind of like Wilt Chamberlain to me. Wilt Chamberlain's this big mythical guy that you just heard about in stories that dropped 50 points in a, per game uh, average for the season, along with 25 rebounds and all this. And But he it didn't translate to winning as much. Like I feel like LeBron lost some very some series that he should have won. Mhm. I can agree that's, with that. That's why I can't that's why I don't put him over MJ. Like I get LeBron is fantastic. And I I'll, I'll never take anything away from LeBron's career. But I mean I I everybody knows Kobe's my favorite player of all time, but I believe Dirk Nowitzki had the hardest finals run and win in championship history and that was culminated by beating LeBron and the Heatles in the 2011 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Dirk, Dirk definitely did through, have the biggest hurdle. Dirk had to go through Brandon Roy while he while he was still somewhat in his prime, a prime Marcus Aldridge, and then he had to play the Kobe Gasol, Andrew Bynum, and Lakers and stuff, and he swept them. And then he gentleman sweeps the uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant Thunder. And then he culminates by taking out LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. I mean, that's a pretty elite hit list there for Dirk in that year when you put all that together. It is. Like uh, I, yeah. I do believe, I believe LeBron had the personnel to beat Dirk. Uh, and honestly, he's a Ray Allen three-pointer away from losing every single series against the Spurs. Yeah. I can agree with you on that one. So, really, had, you know, had Ray Allen not 
saved him a couple times and then had not Kyrie saved him in Cleveland. And then just the weird year that was the playoff bubble. You're talking about maybe possibly one or two rings? Yeah. I mean... The only ring he ever won that was... Oh, I would consider it like a ring that he that couldn't have gone either way, just depending on how this was the Oklahoma City Heat. They did the Miami Heat in 2012 did handily beat the Thunder. They were the team in that year. In that year, there was no question it was the Miami Heat that year. And I don't know if you feel about the way I do as a sport. But in 2009, I was really, really praying for a Kobe Bryant-LeBron James final. Oh, yeah. I think everybody was at that point. And then they let that series slip through their fingers. The premier two players in the NBA going at it. That, I believe, is more – that right up there would have been a finals that was worthy of, like, bird and magic. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon go at it too, though. Yeah, but you know the Bulls and the Jazz end up making for making up for that a couple of times because they had a couple hard hitting finals between the two of them in those last two seasons. Jordan's just—I I don't know. Jordan and Kobe just have that one gear, that killer instinct gear that no other player in NBA history has had. Because there was no question about any of the six of those uh, Jordan rings. Because you might have had some games that could have went either way. But no real one thing that says, oh, the Jazz really should have won the finals here. Or, you know, Gary Payton and the Supersonics. There was not really... Thing that says, oh, yeah, they should have won here against those 96 Bulls that went 72 and 10. And, you know, Jordan made left no doubt as to which team was winning those finals. I mean, when you hand Magic in Worthy basically their shoes at that point then you know you're stepping into the next level. And then when people said, oh, Clyde should have been an MVP over Jordan, what did Jordan do? He literally shrugged after he made, what was it, like six straight threes? And then just looked at the table at at Magic Johnson sitting over there and just shrugged his shoulders. I just love those players that had the mentality of Kobe and Jordan. And, you know, had Kobe and Shaq kind of kept their things in check, which, you know, Kobe's youth wouldn't let him keep that in check. And then Shaq's arrogance wouldn't let him keep that in check. But had they found a way to keep both of those in check, they'd have won at least, you know, about five championships, I think, together. Right. The thing I don't. The thing I don't get is that, you know, so many people to discredit Kobe Bryant say, 
Shaq carried Kobe. And, okay, I can see it. Shaq got all three finals MVPs. But if you look at who was matched up with who, all right, in 2000, they were matched up with Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Kobe plays shooting guard. Reggie plays shooting guard. And who was the Pacer center? Austin Crozier, I believe, against Shaq. Of course, Shaq's going to dominate Crozier more than Kobe's going to dominate Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. And in 01, it was washed Dikembe Mutombo, and Kobe had to go against Allen Iverson. Yes. In so, one of the greatest guard matchups there, the, the Mamba and the Answer. So, of course, Shaq's going to should dominate the, a very old Dikembe at that point. Mm-hmm. And then in 2002, it was the uh, New Jersey Nets, and I may be wrong, but I believe Jason Collins was their center. I think he might have been. I, be- I believe I saw something that I believe it was Jason Collins who was the center there. And of course, <laughs> Kobe was guarding Jason Kidd. It never – all the good big men pretty much in the league at the time were in the West. Yeah. So, once – the Lakers – pretty much every time the Lakers went to the – you saw what happened to Shaq the one time – he played a good big man in Ben Wallace, at least defensive big man in Ben Wallace. Yeah. We we got 4-1 and kicked out. And then, you know, Shaq went on to win another title. Who was the center for the Mavericks when the Heat and the Mavericks played when Shaq was there? Gosh, who, who was the center? <sighs> I guess that's our no. homework assignment. That, that should be a homework assignment. I do not know who the Mavericks starting center was back then. I can't, I can't remember either for the life of me. But, of course, Wade was the MVP of that finals. Yep, because Wade was really definitely becoming a superstar in his own right. Systematically, um, did you know back in 2008 before or seven before Gasol got traded to the Lakers that the Lakers had a trade with the Timberwolves that they could have got Kevin Garnett instead of Pal Gasol hmm. for the same trade package that they got Gasol for? But uh, Danny Ainge was the uh, GM of the of uh, the Timberwolves at the time, and you know. He isn't – no, was it Danny Ainge, Kevin? It was, one, it was a former Celtic, so, you know, they're not Kevin trying McHale to Kevin McHale was the one in Minnesota. All right, yeah, Kevin McHale was – so, you know, a former Celtic isn't going to try to do anything to help the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So, he got traded to the Celtics. But I feel like – I feel like if it was Garnett – and I love Pau Gasol. Please do not – misconstrue that i'm grateful for the two rings he helped us win but i do believe if we had kevin garnett we could have won another three p i think we would let's say gasol went to the celtics and we got garnett i believe the lakers will won in 08 09 and 10 and that's a very strong possibility but you know that's the thing about what ifs is we can play what ifs all day long that is the truth. And finally, 
We're down to our last three segments. I'm not big on baseball, but I know you watch it a lot. And I have a feeling you want to vent about your Red Sox. Well, I did at that point and everything, but the way I look at it is the offense kind of ran out of gas. The pitching kind of sucked towards the end. Uh, Got some arms that either need to be worked on or need to be let go to bring in fresh arms. Hunter Renfro can go for a bag of Cheetos at that point, but, you know, the Red Sox made it further than what they were supposed to. They did knock out the Yankees, so that's a nice consolation prize. And they did stop Tampa Bay's quest to continue title town USA. That's like the uh, the Red Sox knocking out the Yankees. It's like the equivalent of the Wyoming East Warriors knocking off the West Side Renegades, isn't it? It is. It's it's a it's a nice World Series consolation prize there. Um, I just wish that if they had to lose to another team, that it wouldn't have been Houston. Um, but because I don't know of any Astros fans here besides those in Houston, to tell you the truth. So, but you know. At least Boston's now got some fire to come back. They got a pretty good offense and everything, but I just think they ran out of gas when they let that game go against Houston where Boston could have won the series. But, you know, it is what it is when it comes to that. You know, sometimes you just have to have those moments where you just streak in you got sometimes you just got a streak in September to get through October. But now I'm going to be keeping an eye on the World Series this year, not because because when I do watch baseball, I'm typically a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I'm mm-hmm. pretty much I'm pretty much pro Pittsburgh for every major sport except basketball where ironically I'm on the whole other coast with the Lakers. But uh, I will be rooting for the uh, Atlanta Braves because they were my grandpa's team. And God rest my grandpa, he's been dead just over eight years now. So, I don't know. It would just do me good to see him win. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Game three tomorrow in Atlanta. So, I was always – Always did like some Atlanta Braves as well uh, back in the days of uh, Chipper Jones and Glavin, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Greg, Ma- Greg Maddox, and John Smoltz. It was that whole lineup there, the team of the 90s. I know I'm sounding like a homer here, but, man, the 90s were just such a good decade, even though I only lived for about six years of it. It, it was a good decade. It was a it was a time to be alive, that's for sure. So I guess that brings us to our last segment. Buddy, what have you been eating these days? Uh, you know, just not straying too far from the uh, kind of keto routine with my diabetes. But, you know, still finding some new ways and new recipes and Still enjoying and raving whenever uh, Courtney makes homemade biscuits because I could live off of those homemade biscuits, to tell you the truth. So, 
just keeping up with, uh, you know, about 200 carbs a day and trying to split it either within uh, 360 carb meals and one snack or, you know, kind of combining and, you know, eating more than 60 for one meal or like 90 and 90 or doing, you know, 60 and 120 and then making sure that I have my fast acting on standby or that I got my uh, workout routine ready to roll. Well, that sounds good. And I've you've been seeing the praises of these biscuits. So I'm going to have to come visit you guys at your house, and she's going to have to make them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just just let us know. Speaking of biscuits, I recently went, within the last two or three weeks, to Texas Roadhouse. And the biscuits with the butter there are phenomenal. Yes, I could not agree with you more on that one. I could not agree with you more. I don't know what it is about that butter over there, but it is absolutely phenomenal. But speaking of what I've been eating, um, mostly I've been eating at the house. I've been dealing with nausea and vomiting and diarrhea, uh, tremors and shakes. I think it's because I'm off of medicine that I'm supposed to be taking. I lost my medicine bottle and couldn't find it, and I've been off it for a couple weeks. And uh, I uh, re- I started back on a few days ago, so I'm hoping the effects have started to wane a little bit. Like, I'm not as nauseous, which is why I've been able to do the podcast today. Well, it's definitely good to hear that you're at least doing better to, in that regard, but ne- losing med- medicine bottles is never fun. So I've been, yeah, I've been eating stuff that's with the nausea and vomiting, I've been eating stuff that's pretty easy on my stomach, like uh, chicken noodle soup and grilled cheese sandwiches and right. stuff like that. But I've, I actually have not been, I probably, I've been trying to keep my calories between 1,400 and 1,600 a day. And honestly, I'm probably, the past week, I've probably been around twelve to 1,000 just because I'm not that hungry because I've been nauseous all the time. I bet that makes things a whole lot rougher in that regard. It does. I won't lie. And when I do eat out, I've been eating a lot of Subway. I usually get the spinach wrap, and I'll get the Italian BMT with some vegetables on it, some spinach and stuff. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good to me. It is pretty darn good. Well, buddy, I just wanted to say I had a fantastic time with you today. Uh, Always love having you on the podcast. Love talking to you in general, not even just on the podcast. Hey, man, it's definitely good to be back, and we'll definitely have to, you know, we'll definitely have to run it up one more time whenever the occasion calls for. Maybe ringing in 2022, maybe we can find a way to ring that in with some talk of some playoffs. Yeah, and I definitely, my plan is, since you are the number one uh, Nintendo guy I know besides myself, um, I believe you're going to be whatever guest I have on whenever there's like a Nintendo Direct or a big Nintendo announcement. Hey, that sounds good to me. We'll plan things out with it, and as soon as we see it happen, we'll make it happen. 
All right. Well, brother, once again, I can't wait to be a part of your wedding. Congratulations on your engagement. And I absolutely cannot wait to have you on again. All right. Appreciate it, man. And we'll definitely do this again. All right. You have a good night now. All right. You do the same, my brother. Later. Later.